wide and industry collaboration, which I think is very important. We, the universities and the think tank sector must be collaborating with our universities and our government. We also are collaborating with our government. The point is that when we work as a team, the country develops, and therefore this is a very important collaboration. We must um, first welcome our chief guest, Abdul Razak Daoud, the Commerce Minister, who has taken out time to join us for the webinar, which is also extremely important to see um, you know, ministers taking an interest in academic work. So uh, Razak Daoud Saab, um, I thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I think all of the academic community does too. We also have a, a very good study done by PAD, Bob Aptima, on energy prices and the textile industry and the export sector. I think it's an important study to think about. We live in a country where energy prices um, are an issue, uh, primarily because we mismanaged the energy sector for a long time, not just today, but for the last, I think, 50, 60 years, energy policy has been misguided, and therefore it's leading to a very high cost of energy. It will take time to work itself out, but we must keep in mind that energy is a very important input and that energy is something that we must be keeping an eye on and we must try and make sure that our country is energy competitive. And therefore, keeping an eye on regional competitiveness on energy is going to be very important. So with that, let me first ask Razak, Razak Sab to give a few comments and I'll introduce the panel. And of course, I will um, try and uh, Zaksab, if you will also at the end try and sum up, that'll be very good. Um, but for the moment, Zaksab, can I ask you to begin um, with your comments? He doesn't seem to be online yet. No, online. Okay, then we'll get him later. No problem. Okay, thank you. Um, well, then we've got a lovely panel. We've got the PID uh, presentation, uh, which we'll start with. Ahmed Wakar Qasim, who's the main lead author on the study, unfortunately will not be here because he's got COVID. We've got, um, instead we've got Saddam Hussein, another economist from Pied who will present it, and Shaf, another economist from Pied who will present it. Then we've got, uh, we've got three, two com three commentators actually uh, from academia because we thought it was important to get the rest of academia together. So we'll have Shahid Kardar, who because of, um, scheduling clashes has got involved in another webinar, but he is going to take time off from there and come join us at 11.30 to give us his comments. And I will interrupt the session to include Shahid for about five minutes because he has to go back into a webinar in which he's speaking. Webinar is a great thing. I'm so glad we've discovered webinars. It is creating an academic thinking community in Pakistan and Pied has led the way, but now everybody's doing it. And this is very, very gratifying and very pleasing for us at Pied. Um, then we've got Gaharajaz, um, um, of course. Gaharajaz is the patron chief of Aptima. He's got many things to his credit, including real estate, including uh, his philanthropic work in healthcare. Gohar is one of the leaders in, in industry. And I'm very pleased to welcome Gohar here. Uh, one of our enlightened young entrepreneurs who's leading the country. Inshallah, he will make a difference. From academia, we've got Khadija Bari from uh, Institute of, um, from uh, IBA Karachi, the well-known IBA in Karachi. We thought it was important to get Karachi on board. So Khadija Bari, a well-known professor of industry and in, uh, industrial research in, in uh, Karachi. So she will join us. Then we've got Akhtas 
Afsal from Habib University, another young economist, very bright and leading work in industrial economics. So we've got a complete um, learning event for you. So let's proceed with the... the hey, Razak Sahib is online. Razak Sahib is online. Okay, Razak Sahib, I had welcomed you in your absence. I had acknowledged the fact that you were um, helping academia and uh, the thinking sector in uh, leading uh, research. So we welcome you. We welcome you from the bottom of our hearts for joining this session. It's a very welcome thing. Um, would you please give us a few words before we start? And then we'll ask you after the session also to um, kind of uh, sum up the session or whatever, whatever you like from your side, from a policymaker side. Razak Saab, welcome. Uh, can you hear me? We can hear you very well. Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, I'd like to welcome everybody and uh, uh, thank you uh, uh, for your organization to uh, carry out the study. I have gone through the study that, that has been, uh, that has been uh, given to me. And uh, there is no doubt that this is a very important subject. <clears throat> and uh, one that is being uh, hotly debated in Islamabad. Uh, it is being debated because of um, there are many um, forces that um, are at work. We have surplus bijli, we are short of gas, and uh, we want to shift uh, in, a, in the opposite direction to which we were moving um, several years ago, several years ago, there was a shortage of electricity. We moved to gas. Now the government uh, is wanting uh, to move the other way. And um, our, uh, we have noticed in the last couple of years, the difference that has happened if we get, uh, if we get economically competitive uh, energy prices. And uh, now, uh, in the coming weeks, we have to, the government has to take a decision as to what should be the, uh, the rate that uh, this very important uh, textile industry should get. So I am uh, really looking forward to getting the uh, views of everybody. I will be making notes. Uh, I will be asking some of the participants to come to uh, Islamabad because uh, we have to take a decision, and this uh, webinar will help us uh, help clear my mind and um, um, get us to understand exactly uh, what we what we want to do and determine a way forward. So, uh, uh, thank you to all of you, and uh, I am more keen to listen and learn. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Minister, thank you very much. Very kind of you to chair the session. Let's begin with the presentation. Saddam Saab, can you please begin with the presentation and present the study? Thank you very much, sir. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Uh, let me first share my screen with you. Is it visible to everyone? Yes, go ahead. Uh, okay, so uh, this is a, a study done by Pied uh, and the Aptama together uh, 
regionally competitive energy tariffs and textile sector competitiveness. Uh, basically, the government introduced competitive energy energy tariff for the zero related sectors. And in, in this study, we want to analyze the impact on textile sector competitiveness. Uh, the textile sector has been suffering uh, for past two to two decades due to the power shortage and the governance issues, etc. Uh, but recently, the textile, textile sector has outperformed during the current pandemic and recorded a 10.7.9% growth in exports in January 2021. Uh, this is uh, can be partially we attributed to the regionally competitive energy energy tariff introduced by the governments in. Uh, late 2018. Uh, so th this is the scenario in which we will be analyzing the impact of this uh, the, the policy tool. So we will uh, let you know about the details in, in coming slides. Uh, so to give you a brief overview of the sector, like uh, how significant it is for the Pakistan economy, the textile sector contributes around 8.5% of the GDP. And it also contributes around 60% of exports earnings. Uh, in the oh, out of the total labor force of the country, it uh, currently contributes to the 40% of labor force are employed in the in this sector, which is equivalent to the 19 million uh, workers. And uh, among the manufacturing sector, the pie it takes around 46% of the pie from the manufacturing sector. And in the value addition chain, it makes up to the 29%. And directly and indirectly, 25 million individuals are linked. To, to this sector, the, the livelihood of 25 million individuals is linked with this sector. So there's no doubt it is very uh, significant for the, the Pakistani economy and for the people of the country. So uh, to start with uh, those who don't know what is RCTE, uh, RCT, it is Regionally Competitive Energy, energy Tariff uh, introduced by the government of Pakistan to the zero rated sectors of okay. the country to enhance its competitiveness regionally. Uh, RLNG, uh, in, in this uh, the, the, the policy, the government uh, introduced the, the gas tariff RLNG at the rate of $6.5 per MMBTU since October 2018. Uh, a few months later, uh, the government also introduced electricity tariffs at 7.5 cents per kilowatt hour since January 2019. However, re recently, the government revised the rates from 7.5 cents to to, to the nine cents in September 2020. Uh, what was the objective? The objective was to offer energy tariffs at par with the regional pairs to make the industry regionally competitive so that it can compete regionally and grow our exports. So the focus of the, the, the study, uh, we uh, took the data, of the, the secondary data from the online sources and the annual reports of the companies in this 50 listed textile companies of Pakistan are, are there 10 listed companies of India and 10 similar in the case of the Bangladesh. Uh, but still uh, we thought that uh, something is missing for, for that we uh, organized field trips and our, our team, Pied Shafni and Vakasa, we went to the field and we visited a number of spinning units and weaving units and processing. The numbers are visible on the screen. And we also did the structured interviews with the, the chief technical officers of the units and also some in-depth interviews with the senior management and experts. So this was the focus. And the data we, we got from the secondary sources and primary sources, we analyzed that through different economic modeling and statistical techniques. Uh, what were the results? We'll be 
uh, sharing with you uh, in a few. Uh, Shaf, will you be presenting the next slides? Ji, Shaf. Okay, uh, so basically uh, this over here, you can see the regional comparison of electricity tariffs as to how after the introduction of the regionally competitive energy tariff, Pakistan compares with other textile players in the region. Uh, if we, we can clearly see that uh, Vietnam and India are at a much better uh, level than us, where Vietnam is getting at 7.3 cents per kilowatt hour electricity tariff, while India, where states have uh, their own right, where each state can set a certain uh, electricity tariff. But we have example of two major states, Punjab and Maharashtra, where they have 7.1 and 7.8 cents per kilowatt kilowatt hour respectively. So these two countries are clearly even at this tariff. Uh, in a much better condition than Pakistan. Uh, the other two countries that we analyzed were Bangladesh and China. So we'll go one by one for them. Uh, for Bangladesh, we can see that uh, even Bangladesh is getting nine cents per kilowatt hour, which on paper seems that it is equal to what Pakistan is getting. However, there is one major difference. And that difference is that Bangladesh focuses and specializes only in the value added sector or only in the, uh, you could say, uh, the downstream industry. And what does that do? That actually means that their uh, energy component in uh, energy share in the cost of conversion is much less because the upstream industry uses a lot more uh, energy share, whereas the downstream industry uh, needs lesser energy share uh, as compared to the upstream industry. So Bangladesh, despite a similar uh, or an equal electricity tariff is at an advantage as compared to Pakistan because they focus only on the value added sectors, whereas Pakistan's textile sector uh, focuses not just on the downstream industry, but a lot of uh, upstream industry is also located in Pakistan. So uh, this nine cents per kilowatt are actually uh, does not bring us at par with Bangladesh as much as uh, it should. On the other hand, if we look at China, so we have one uh, Xinjiang province, which is one of their major industrial hubs, where they get industries getting 6.1 cents per kilowatt hour. But even if we see the general rate, which happens to be 9.8 cents per kilowatt hour, and someone might claim that, okay, we are maybe getting better than China and China has been producing so much and they're capturing the market all over the world. But what, but that, but China's, uh, you could say system is completely different. And that is because they have such large production units and production capacities that they have achieved those economies of scale where they can actually, their per unit cost ends up being very less despite a slightly higher uh, electricity tariff, they are getting 9.8 cents per kilowatt hour. So uh, if, even with this regionally competitive electricity tariff, we are uh, still, our industry is getting a little higher uh, electricity tariff as compared to the other major regional players. Uh, and now on the next slide, we'll have a look at the regional gas, uh, how we compare with the different players in the gas tariff. Next slide, Sadam, please. Right, so this is the comparison of gas and RLNG. In Vietnam, basically the government decides uh, which project gets what rate, so that was not comparable. But if we see in Bangladesh and India, they're getting $4.05 uh, per MMBTU in Bangladesh, uh, whereas India's maximum price cap is $4.06 per MMBTU. Now in India, as was the case in the electricity tariff, the gas tariff is again, the states have the power where they can decide as to what uh, rate they want to charge. However, the Ministry of Petroleum and Natural Gas in India, they basically put a maximum price cap in uh, maximum price cap for, for the gas rates, which has been decided as 4.06 cents, uh, $4.06 per MMBTU. So the states could give a price lesser than this, but not higher than this. And let even if we assume that, okay, that all the states in India are actually, uh, you know, 
giving a gas rate at the maximum price cap even then in comparison with pakistan's rate if we see the rate that punjab and kpk are getting which is 6.5 dollar per mmbtu that happens to be there has happens to be a 2.5 almost 2.5 dollar per mmbtu difference whereas even in same way the gas rate is lower at 5.9 dollar per mmbtu our industry is getting the gas at nearly 2 dollars per mmbtu more than uh, what india in, what industries in india and bangladesh are getting right next slide so this is a basically a cross country comparison of the conversion cost right uh, what is conversion cost conversion cost is basically uh, if we take out the uh, cost of raw material from the total cost of production the remaining cost happens to be the conversion cost or in simpler words uh, the cost that an industry incurs while uh, in order to convert raw material into the next product right so if we see the average value for parent fuel we can see from 2017 to 2020 pakistani industry had 35.6% share of parent fuel in their conversion cost whereas india had it at 29.8 while bangladesh had 25.5 which actually comes you could say uh, which actually seconds what our data had been showing in these previous two slides where india has a considerably lower energy tariff whereas bangladesh which not only benefits from a uh, lower energy tariff but also it benefits from specializing just only in the uh, value added textile where the energy component happens to be much less so pakistani industry at this moment is uh, paying a much higher share in their conversion cost uh, for power and fuel as compared to, compared to the other regional uh, regional based industry and still uh, as we can see on the next slide sadam please pakistan's sector has contributed towards the ex export this is a comparison from the uh, from Uh, July 2017 up till December uh, to uh, 2020, uh, quarter-wise comparison of how our exports have done. So the two red arrows that you can see on the screen they indicate the quarters where the uh, initial uh, electricity uh, energy tariffs were given. First the gas in September and October 2018, and then in January 2019 the electricity tariff. So basically, we can see very evidently that after that there has been a an upward trend in the exports of the value-added textiles. So that tariff has actually helped us push uh, our exports of value-added textiles upwards. And the, the only uh, you could see the downfall that we could see in those uh, uh, in those exports was during the fourth quarter of the financial year 2020, which was basically. Uh, April, May, and June, which was basically the period of the COVID. But even after that, we can see a sharp upward incline in our exports, where we have benefited uh, from the regionally competitive tariff, as well as from uh, we have taken the early mover advantage for this industry as well. So we have managed to capture the market right now because of two major reasons: that is, this competitive tariff that was given to the industry, and also uh, the early mover advantage. But we. have to make sure that we sustain this advantage that we have right now we do not want to lose this market once the uh, rest of the world opens up and for that we we have uh, seen uh, we have actually analyzed few uh, portions that as to how uh, changes in energy tariffs will actually impact the working of this industry and sadam will now uh, show those few key findings of those analysis ji sahab thank you Uh, so the key findings uh, of this study show that the average share of power and energy cost observe a four percentage point drop after the implementation of RCT, and stand at thirty-two percent of the, the the conversion cost. At the aggregate level, the total sales revenue and export sales revenue increased by 
14%, while local sale revenues increased by 19%. And there are other findings as well. But let me share with you the three key findings here. And the three key findings here, the first one is a 10% increase in the energy tariff. It causes a 1.1% decrease in investment. So there's a last year of minus 0.11. Uh, which means that uh, the average capital employed is around uh, 2.8 billion in the listed textile unit. Moreover, the analysis also indicates that around 75% of textile units take new investment initiatives when energy tariff decreases. Therefore, out of 571 textile units in Pakistan, it is expected that 387 will venture on some sort of new investment initiatives. Uh, the sector at the aggregate will observe a minimum surge of around 88 billion in new investment due to RCT. So this is a very significant result. Second is, uh, and uh, in the first also, uh, remarkably, the State Bank of Pakistan announced a new new policy, the Temporary Economic Relief Facility Turf. Uh, and the State Bank declares that around 60% of the applications came from textile sector alone. Moreover, the textile sector has also experienced approximately $1.60 billion investment during the first half of the, the, the current fiscal year. So this uh, kind of reinforces our, our result. Uh, second is uh, a 10% increase in energy tariff makes a firm layoff 62 employees, which means that since the number of uh, textile units is around 521 in our country, uh, Therefore, a 10% energy tariff increment will bring a loss of 32,302 employment opportunities. Our, our, our data also indicate that the average textile unit provide employment opportunities for around 2,303 individuals. So consequently, if we translate these numbers into number of units for the, the, the purpose of simplification, so a 10% increase in the tariff will uh, bring the uh, 14 textile units and the, and the brink of closing operations. Uh, so uh, this is very significant. Uh, third is uh, we did the, the simulation exercises that if we remove the competitive energy energy tariff RCT, uh, so what, what will happen? Will we remain competitive or not in the region? So a change, any change in, in tariff policy will translate through two Two, two channels. One is the direct impact and one is indirect impact. The direct impact is uh, due to the extra the, the cost of energy, which will be incurred during the, the process of production. And indirect impact will be through the upstream industries. The, uh, the rise in input costs in the, in the value chain will uh, translate into the, uh, also translate into the uh, higher cost. So uh, we did simulation exercises on the few products which we made uh, and I'll share a few here. For example, yarn. Uh, and and you can see that there's Pakistan, China, India, and, and Bangladesh. So uh, let me just, yeah. Uh, in the in the, now uh, the, the the cost of yarn, uh, which is a, a, a per dollar a pound is one point four three, and India is at one point three zero, and the Bangladesh is at one point three eight. Uh, so if we remove the RCT, we will see that we are not competitive enough in the region. Uh, similar is the case of the, the, the second product because there's a direct impact of 0 0.08 uh, if we remove the, the RCT. So it is quite obvious from the tables and you can see the next table that we will not be regionally competitive energy. And, and uh, one or two products we might be come, uh, our competitive um, may not be uh, lows, but we will uh, surely lose the uh, prize ranking in the world. Uh, yes, and next is for Sharp DLTL. 
Okay, so basically right now there is an alternative proposal being presented and that is to replace this reasonably competitive energy tariff and introduce a DLTL scheme. A DLTL scheme is basically an export uh, rebate for the export energy textile industry. And, our, and we try to analyze that in comparison with the reasonably competitive energy tariff. And our uh, study concludes that uh, replacing the regionally competitive energy tariff policy with the DLTL scheme is actually not a rational option. And why is that so? One major issue with that is that it increases the transactions cost present in this. And what one way of incre increasing that transaction cost is through time cost. For instance, uh, the exporter, the export industry will not be immediately getting those export re rebates. In, instead, they will have a higher cost of production. They'll have higher prices which for which they'll have to find a market. And instead and uh, as a <clears throat> and to claim those uh, dltl they will have to file uh, various documents with the government agencies and then wait for uh, the government agencies to release those dltl uh, payments to them as of now the government has not paid uh, the export rebates from 2014 to different industries in pakistan so basically since the last six and a half years the industrialists in pakistan the exporters in pakistan are waiting on their payments so there are these time cost uh, time cost attached and even prior to that uh, there was a gap of over 15 years where those uh, uh, you could say export rebates were not paid which were cleared up till 2014 only very recently so this system is uh, is not 100% efficient even uh, i think it's not even majorly efficient there is a great issue of inefficiency within the scheme secondly even if we make this uh, even if we happen to make this system efficient there there are documentation costs involved and those documentation costs are not limited to just the industry, but also to the, to the government, because when the uh, industry has to file those documents, where, where, as per which they have to claim those DLDL, uh, they have to keep those documents, they have to make those documents, maintain those documents, and the government also has to keep a record of those documents. So the entire documentation cost also increases, which actually makes this entire process uh, not viable for the industry. Uh, industry. Secondly, even if we uh, were to remove all these issues there is one major issue that i that we analyzed that has been ignored by uh, introducing or trying to introduce the scheme and that is the lack of vertical integration within the industry so as uh, there is absolutely minimal vertical integration present in the industry and as per some rough estimates uh, the vertical integration is less than even 10% of the entire industry. So basically our upstream industries exist separately, whereas our downstream industries exist separately and there isn't much integration between those. So when we do introduce introduce this DLTL scheme, we will be only uh, benefiting the upstream downstream industry, the value added sector, which will be able to claim those rebates. The, down, the upstream industry, like the spinning industry, the weaving industry, they won't be able to claim those because they won't be exporting anything. And what will that, do that will actually make their prices go up. They'll actually increase uh, the raw material cost. And hence our uh, downstream industry will be forced to actually not buy the raw material from the domestic industry. Instead, they will have to import the raw material. As a result, uh, our import bill will increase and also our upstream industries, local sales will fall down. They won't be able to export. And hence we will buy introducing this DLTL scheme in a very short time be forcing our upstream industry to suffer and eventually even uh, and eventually even uh, you could say shut down as it was as was the case only a few years ago so i think so our study actually concludes that this dltl scheme has uh, brings uh, more uh, you could say cost 
attached to it than any benefits uh, and the government must continue with the racially competitive energy tariff policy uh, but there are also other issues that are co connected with these uh, with the industry and Saddam will uh, share a few of these with you right now. Gee, and then there's, uh, there are the challenges at the, the policy front. As you can see in the flow chart, there's consistency, inclusiveness, no feedback mechanism, and you can see it here. Uh, when we visited the industry, uh, at, um, when we were conducting this, this study in Islamabad, we were happy that the government is providing them with the competitive energy tariff and everything is good and it will enhance the competitiveness of the energy. But when we visited the field, uh, we uh, came to know that even the energy supply and their energy supply and transmission issues. For example, in a, there's a, you know, the energy is not uh, getting, uh, there are interruptions in energy and fluctuations. Even one minute of energy fluctuation, which, they, uh, which the government calls for like, you know, in the maintenance, in the backdrop of maintenance, one minute energy shutdown that causes the, the, the production loss of 20 to 15 to 20%. And the, 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 this is a, a big production loss. Uh, and, and that uh, there are sophisticated machines these days in the industry. Uh, for, for example, the machine, the fluctuations, they sometimes fuse the, the gadgets of the, the machinery and those, those gadgets are not locally made and they have to be imported. So the, the, the time spent in importing and at that, uh, till the, the, the gadget is imported and fixed in the machinery. Let me get in Shahid Kardar since he has to go away. Shahid Kardar, quickly over to you. I know Very kind. My sincerest apologies to everyone. Unfortunately, I'm already on a webinar and uh, the fact uh, But I'd like to quickly... Shahid, uh, thank you for taking uh, okay. uh, Very quickly, uh, let me first compliment the, the young team. Um, we had originally, I and Dr. Pasha had originally seen the first draft. And we had commented on it. Uh, we found uh, the, the work which had been done original in many ways in terms of the quality of data that had been collected, which we hadn't seen recently. Um, we also commented, uh, and I, I'm sure uh, we'll see, uh, Vakar and his team have actually incorporated it. This was this suggestion in terms of substitution of potential substitution of inputs and factors of production. And I know they must have been weaved into this. And, uh, and we talked about the production function as well as the profit function. Mm -hmm. Now, other than that, I mean, in support of, of what these uh, young uh, friends of ours have done, I and Dr. Pasha did a quick and dirty exercise uh, looking at the impact of rise in energy tariffs on, on export. The textiles and wearing apparel sector looking at the CMI I know the CMI is dated 2005-06, but we developed, very quickly developed the index. And it would be interesting uh, to share the results of what we did because they reinforce uh, some of the, uh, you know, the conclusions and the recommendations and the estimates made by Vakar um, and Co. because I'm sure those are much more current than ours. Now, this, when we looked at the CMI of 2005-06, and given the value of production, let's assume was 100 because you can't really change prices globally of your own product, the gross profit percentage was about 30%. Looking at the CMI at that time, the input cost of electricity and fuel was 7.5% of this value. So when we built the index taking 2005-06 as the base, the electricity tariff using a base of 100 by 2019-20 had risen to 360 and unit value 
index value of exports that actually result from the 100, which was the best, to 224.4. Now, when we look at these trends, uh, this is well before what is being discussed right now as to what the impact would be of energy prices. So the share of electricity and fuel costs actually increased to 12%. That meant the gross profit margin actually declined from 30 to 25.5, a decline of 4.5 percentage points. So, so it is interesting, which is really a, in support of what Makar and team have done. And then what we did was that, okay, now this was the position in 2019-20. If we were to increase prices by say 25%, we don't know what it is likely to be for the industrial sector, uh, but from what we can see, uh, it, will, it is going to be substantial, just reading uh, things in newspapers. If you make a 25% increase in fuel prices, input cost of share of electricity and fuel actually goes up to 15 percentage points uh, from 12. Uh, so the gross profit margin comes down by three percentage points, uh, which is really from 25.5 to 22.5. And so there is, because of tariffs, the gross profit margin actually reduces by 12%. So this, just to ignore what electricity will do to profit margins, because frankly, what you can't change is the global value of the product that you're selling. So I'll just stop any questions very quick because I have to uh, move on. Quickly, anything for Shahid Kardar before we let him go? If there is, please speak up now. Otherwise, I think I'll have to let Shahid Kardar go. He's already in another webinar. Thank you. And well okay. done, Bakar and go. We will, we will, inshallah, take it up with you again. Okay, thanks, Shahid. Thanks for coming. All the best. Thank and thanks, Hafiz Pasha, too. Hafiz Pasha and Shahid are always good collaborators with Pied. Go ahead, Ji Shaf Saab, finish up. Ji. Uh, thank you, sir. Ji, ji. Okay, so uh, I was talking about the, the challenges okay, that the, the policy. Sure, sure. Uh, so I was talking about the, the challenges that the, the policy front. Uh, they, uh, they are uh, on the screen. But one thing that uh, the industry keep hammering uh, is that they need consistency and consistency, consistency, consistency. Uh, so because this also um, uh, translate into the in investment pattern so if there's a, a, a policy for one year or three year the investment decision of the industry will be according uh, but if there's a, a policy for five to ten years or 15 years or more or less at least it should be predictable so will be the investment pattern of the industry which will have the, the, the more uh, bigger the time frame the more uh, the good will be the investment decision by the industry and more the, the, the positive spill or effects of the those investments secondly there is no feedback mechanism as such uh, in the in, in, in the policy making for the industry um, for example when we visited the industry there were uh, within the uh, the textile industry there were uh, different needs and requirements of for example spinning units and weaving units for different effectors the, the dynamics of the the finished products were different so the energy mix were different so all have different requirements so when you uh, uh, sit together with them they will tell you what they need so each sector within the textile industry have different requirements and there's a high compliance cost and implementation issues. Uh, so a policy is a tool to reduce uncertainty so that there's a, a level playing field. But unfortunately in Pakistan, the uncertainty looms over again and again. Uh, so uh, next is the, the challenges at the energy fund. Uh, the swindling energy tariffs and transmission and supply issues, I, as I already told you that, okay, there's a competitive energy 
tariff which might enhance the competitive of the industry but there are transmission and supply issues for example the fluctuations in energy and one minute fluctuation in industry and the energy uh, shutdowns the machinery for 20 25 minutes it takes 20 25 minutes to, to, to restart the machinery in some sophisticated machinery it takes up to at least one hour which 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 causes the loss of 15 to 20 percent of the the the, 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 the production for and second is gas rlng shortage as it is bought by the government and there's uncertainty like uh, how much gas and rng industry will be at the receiving end so uh, there's a uh, uh, extra maintenance cost due to transmission and supply energy because of this the uh, most of the units are compelled to have their own captive generation units of power which runs on the coal etc and then coal again there's a, the, the low quality coal we have to import and the industry also said that we should uh, incentivize our uh, the, the indigenous coal and to refine it so that we can uh, use that as a cheap raw material uh, and then the last one is raw material challenges there's a drop in the, the, the production of the cotton drop in the, the quality uh, we see that uh, the, the cotton is a, is a kharif crop and we have three other kharif, major kharif crops rice maize and sugarcane so we see that the, over the, the past few years the cultivation area and the yield of rice maize and sugarcane has increased and that of the, the cotton has decreased by 18 percentage points um, this is because of the absence of R&D, because the cotton is a sophisticated crop and it is also prone to insecticide and, and pesticide, insects and pests. And in, insecticide and pesticide management is a bit expensive for a small farmer. Uh, so uh, the government should really incentivize and invest into R&D so to, uh, to, uh, to provide the farmers with the, the, the better seed quality, which is also a resistance to the pests and insects. And there are a mal practices issues, for example, the contamination of uh, the, the cotton internationally is two to three percent, and in Pakistan is it eight to ten percent. And there are some other issues like you know they put the, the, the moisture and the plastic etc to increase the weight of the, the cotton and increase their profits. So all these uh, issues need the, the government uh, support uh, so that they can have a cheap raw material at hand and hence they increase uh, further the competitiveness of the industry. Uh, so the, the conclusion of the, the, this study is among all the factors that make the textile sector of Pakistan regionally uncompetitive, the energy tariff has at the core. Since it makes up to around 35 to 40% of the conversion costs, therefore it is pertinent to ensure that availability of energy at regionally uh, competitive tariff. This study also find convincing evidence that electricity tariff about 7.5 cents per kilowatt hour competitive, particularly within the region. Therefore, the calls for reverting it to 7.5 cents per kilowatt hour of energy, along with this, this $6.5 per MMBTU for the gas RNG, RLNG is not without the legitimate grounds. So this is the conclusion. Uh, this was all from our side. And now we will listen to the, the expert opinion and the, the comments from the the panel. Ji, sir, thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, sir. So, before I go to the discussions, I would also like to recognize that Mr. Sartaj Aziz, former Federal Finance Minister, Chairman Planning, and many other credits to his career. Sartaj, sir, would you like to say a few words before we go to the discussions, or would you like to wait till after the discussions? Sartaj, are you there? 
First of all, I'd like to say it's a very um, nicely done study. I'm especially pleased to see one of my students, Shaf. Um, he was my student at NUST uh, finishing this study. So I'm very proud of this work. Um, I'm not entirely sure about the conclusions put forth by this study. I find them uh, somewhat tenuous, but I will get to that in just a few moments. Uh, I just wanted to ask a few questions. Number one, the entire case for giving a preferred uh, or a competitive energy tariff at 7.5 cents per unit is based on the fact that the conversion cost, the, the proportion of energy in conversion cost is around 34-35%, which is very high compared to the neighboring countries. And that's what makes us uncompetitive. My question is, nowhere in the study is it mentioned what is the total amount of the conversion cost to raw material? So I would like to know what is that amount? I mean, is it 5%? Is it 10%? So that's my first question. And if, and, and maybe Gohar Saab can uh, answer the question once I'm done. So I think if it's five to 10% total conversion cost, which is labor plus energy input, then we are basically arguing or debating over a very small portion of the entire value chain where differences can be made. So that's that's one thing. Second, um, there is also a very big problem with um, the very low cost of labor or, or wages that are being given in Pakistan to labor. So if you look at one of the tables and I had the pleasure of uh, going through the entire study, uh, I mean, there is a table where you can find out that uh, in India, for instance, the wages are 80% higher than Pakistani wages, okay? So if that's the case, then in a sense, because of these low wages, the sector is already getting an implicit subsidy, okay? So, I mean, that's something that we need to also think about that, you know, uh, we are not paying our labor as much. Um, I know the kind of questions and uh, comments that I will get um, in response, but I just wanted to highlight this as well. Um, finally, what I want to say is this. Hmm. The most important conclusion that has been put forth, uh, one of the most important conclusions, one uh, conclusion is that if you give this competitive rate uh, tariff, that will bring about this increase in jobs. And the second one was a 10% increase in investment, um, a, sorry, a 10% increase in the tariff brings about a 1.1% decrease in investment, something like. So there's a relationship, negative relationship between when the cost of energy goes up, investment goes down. So I looked at your econometric results and I looked at that table and I'm afraid, I mean, they're on page 12 and 13, equation two. Um, and if you look at the appendix, I mean, uh, the results are not statistically significant. I mean, the p-value is just uh, off the charts. So I think, I, I don't know if that is a mistake or if that is something that you need to revisit because um, 
given the p-value and the econometric results that you have presented, uh, I'm addressing the young scholars who, mind you, have done a very good job, you cannot possibly make the conclusion that there is a negative relationship between the increase in energy tariff and a decrease in investment in the sector. So that, I think that, that, that's, that's problematic. And my final point, my final point is this. When you talk about challenges and um, uh, for the sector towards the end, I think that's a very, very good uh, part of the study. I think you have done well. But there are, again, some um, issues. For example, you talk about that one of the reasons why we have not been, the textile sector has not been competitive in, in Pakistan has to do with this certain lack of corporate culture. Mm, I, I don't really understand what you mean by that. I mean, I think uh, in order to do justice to something uh, like this, we probably would have to look at the kind of incentives that operate when it comes to uh, why the total amount of area that we use for cultivating cotton has been decreasing every year. And you point that out. So there are multiple reasons for that. I mean, is, is, is the reason basically a skewed distribution of agricultural land in this country is, I mean, look at the work of Alice Amston in the case of Taiwan. You know, she makes the case that in order for, uh, you know, agriculture sector to boom, you have to go through some kind of land reform, okay? Second problem is the lack of backward linkages. And you have, I mean, you have kind of touched on it, but I think that is a very, very important aspect of the whole uh, problem. Uh, problem being that our exports are not increasing the way we would like them to increase. And that has to do with the poor quality of seed that is available. Now, uh, should we bring in Monsanto? Should we, uh, you know, uh, move towards getting pesticides that can deal effectively with red ballworm or something like that. Should we move in that direction? Uh, it's a very, very complex thing. And I think when you talk about challenges to the sector, you must talk about uh, backward linkages. You know, what are some of the reasons why the total area under cultivation for cotton is decreasing uh, and it's very alarming the way this is happening. And, and final, final point is, you know, among the challenges for this sector, biggest challenges are two, two of them, you know, change of tastes when it comes to final consumers and a technological shock. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure some people here remember back in the day when people used to wear t-shirts when they used to go to gym or, you know, cotton, polos when they played golf or what have you, you know, took a stroll uh, in a park. All of that is gone, you know, because of technological shift, because of changing customer preferences, people have moved towards synthetic fabrics and materials. And I think that is something uh, you should also uh, look at. I mean, for example, why is it that our uh, textile sector is not competitive? I mean, how do we compare in terms of technology with India? So that are some of the comments that I have. Um, I would be happy to assist with any uh, portion of the study, especially with the econometric results. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Agda Saab. Very good comments. Thank you very much. I take your point that absolutely 
much more research is needed in every area of Pakistan. This is something that we concluded in a webinar on central bank independence too. We are unfortunately a research averse country and the minister is here. I hope he hears us. We don't like research. Everything is done on the fly with PowerPoints in the cabinet room. Unfortunate, very unfortunate. We are the only country that runs like that. But let me go to our next um, uh, discussant. Um, uh, um, hmm. Rabia Bibi, um, sorry. God, sir. Khadija, madam. Professor Khadija, would you like to please come in and say your piece now? Khadija, baby. Khadija, hey? Ji, madam, kindly unmute. Kar le apne aap. Kar le, alaikum, ji. Can you hear me? We can hear you very well. Yeah, okay. okay, sir. I did go through the report in detail, and I believe that this uh, competitive energy tariff policy is going to provide a temporary relief uh, and a level playing field uh, for the industry. However, my concern is much deeper. My concern is regarding the way the term competitiveness is being used by the uh, in the in, our, in the industry and policy corridors, increasing exports uh, because of uh, cheap labor, weak currency, or some sort of relief package or uh, support from the government is not the sign of competitiveness. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we need to redress the term competitiveness. Uh, um, in my opinion, number one, a competitive sector is a sector that has shown some ability to move towards value-added products. And if we look at the product mix that this industry has been focusing over the years, there has been hardly any change or movement towards value. There has been, but when we compare it vis-a-vis -vis with our competitors, regional competitors, the, the, the rate or has been very slow. So my second point is that competitiveness is all about increasing productivity and efficiency. And that depends upon the skill base. Uh, the textile industry is stuck in the low skill, low competence trap. Um, how many times has the industry contacted leading business schools to develop relevant marketing textile programs? Is it not worrisome that um, we do not have a single institute of national repute, let alone international repute, when it comes to um, a sector that is that has been providing 60% of our foreign exchange earnings to the economy for such a long time. My third point, sir, is uh, that competitiveness of a sector depends upon its ability to develop mechanisms along the entire supply chain. Uh, your report mentions very specifically that the contamination rate in the cotton is one of the highest uh, in Pakistani cotton, around, I think, 6 to 8%. And, um, it is much easier for the government to provide some sort of relief from the taxpayers' money or uh, for the industry to demand for relief than to actually work on the mechanisms to bring an improvement in the, along the entire supply chain. So no effort, um, the entire focus is on relief package or some sort of a support and the industry demanding it and the government providing it for short-term uh, purposes. Uh, but uh, uh, to bring in the actual improvement in the supply chain is not the case. My fourth point, sir, is that competitiveness, whatever literature you pick up, competitiveness is all about innovation. 
innovation in production processes, innovation in products. Yes, there are research institutions um, under the Ministry of Textiles and Agriculture working for R&D. But obviously, the output that they have shown is much slow when we compare ourselves with regional competitors like India and China. And uh, this is not something uh, unique. If the research institutions are to work in isolation under the government umbrella, they will always be slow in terms of um, their output and their focus. It is the involvement of the stakeholders, the push that you get from the stakeholders that gives right direction to R&D and the speed to R&D. So there has to be an invo involvement and desire on part of the, uh, of the stakeholders to push the industry, particularly the private sector to push the industry and the research institutions to bring out output that is at par with other regional competitors. Mm -hmm. um, in the end, I just want to uh, point out that, uh, yes, they, this will provide some sort of a temporary relief, but um, if we are to judge the performance, there, there is urgent need to develop mechanisms to judge the performance of the textile sector uh, 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 whenever there are more holistic policy that would actually judge the performance of the textile sector uh, whenever these relief or uh, packages or such policies are made for them. For example, just uh, uh, the performance variables involving increase in exports is not a sufficient ground to say that, yes, this relief package has worked very well because our exports have increased. This is not a sufficient ground. We need to uh, uh, develop performance mechanisms that are based on quality of the product, on innovation, on product diversification, on market diversification. We have to find out the impact of the policies that we are making across all these dimensions and not just increasing exports. Yes, you make the product cheaper one way or the other, the exports are going to increase. And this is not the sign of competitiveness. And I think that th these are the elements that are generally not, not talked about or focused whenever we develop um, textile reports. This Thank you very much. Very good, very good comments on competitiveness. I think we really need to think of competitiveness, competitiveness very carefully. Once again, a lot of conceptualization research is necessary. So I take your points very well. Good points. Um, can I bring in Mr. Gahar Ajaz now to talk about some of, this, of the issues? Gahar Ajaz is introduced. He's one of our leading businessmen, also a philanthropist. He's done a lot of good work. Um, in many areas, and Gohar is also very articulate and has been uh, advising many governments. So, Gohar Saab, over to you. Thank you very much. I think it was a pleasure listening to the whole presentation being made by the uh, scholars who are being termed as young scholars, but Dr. Ajas and, mm -hmm. and I had the opportunity to meet them and interact with them, and uh, we have very good, mashallah, intellect developing. I also heard his comments and uh, Khatija's comments. Mm -hmm. So I would just request Doksab if I am allowed five minutes and mm -hmm. I would request Dr. Others and Khatija mm -hmm. to please take the bias of your mind mm -hmm. when you listen to me because I am not going to give a counter argument. Mm -hmm. I am just going to present you a realistic situation of the whole scenario here. That mm -hmm. is my humble submission. Go ahead. Number <laughs> one, uh, Dr. Others pointed out that uh, the total cost is 32% of uh, the cost of production and he would like to know what is its actual value to uh, 
percentage, I believe you wanted to ask sales. Uh, you said uh, raw material. I would say that I would, I would, I would link it with sales because sales is a higher number to compare with compared to raw material because raw material is 60% of my uh, total product cost. So if 32% is, uh, I'll just give you a number you would understand very clearly. If 60% is raw material, direct raw material. So this means we are left with 40%. And out of 40%, if 32% is energy, so I'm saying 14% of my, compared to raw material is my cost of energy, number one. Number two, how we compare as industry, we take two points only. That what is because after raw material, I have only three variables in my hand. Number one variable is energy, which is the highest. Number two variable is manpower. And number three variable is the cost of repayment of my equipment, which is called depreciation. And we term it as depreciation. And that is how the study very nicely has put in and is given 32, 32, and 10 for these three basic points. So I will compare it with the next point, which is most more important if you allow that is, I'll compare it to sales. So if 60% is raw material and 40% is my uh, total conversion cost, and on total conversion cost, if this is 32%, I'm talking about 12% of sales. So the total cost at seven and a half cents now, which is compared to India, Bangladesh, Vietnam, my cost is also 12% of sales. Textile business, if you would just go through and I will present you after this meeting, and I'm sure this is also part of the slide, 10 top companies of the country, their last 10 years uh, balance sheet. And if you look at the profitability of these 10 companies, which includes uh, companies which have done innovation and has uh, created huge uh, footprint in domestic Majbulema textile as a, as a sales of plus uh, 80 billion rupees this year, which is one of the largest companies in the country. I'll take it as an example, which is $500 million company. The, their domestic sales are about 40 billion, which is 50%. And their international sales are also 40 billion, which is about to half of it. And if you take their profit, the last year profit was 3.2% of their sales. That was the net profit they earned. I would repeat, sir, is 3.2% of sales. That was their last year profit. And if I take last 10 years average, because I can't take one year, their total profit to sales, net profit to sales is 5%. And there, there, uh, there is no reason to hide this, uh, the profitability also because the textile industry has been given a status of final discharge of liability at a tax of 1% of sales, which it becomes, which actually becomes a, a tax rate of 20%. If the profitability is 5%, so it becomes 20%. And this year it was increased. Last year it was increased to 1.5%. So we also have the same corporate rate, which is 30% of our profit practically, but we are 1.5% of turnover. Even if I don't show that profit of five, I have to pay that as minimum tax liability. So there is no reason for those companies also to hide any, any amount of profits. That is the point I'm trying to make. Number two, now we use the word competitiveness. And I agree that competitiveness with Dr. Khatija is basically 
the innovation, the processes, the management, the equipment, research, the value. I 100% agree. But please understand that this is the country we are living in, all of us. Our total country, leave aside textile. What is the export of Pakistan, sir? Pakistan's total export is $25 billion. Mm -hmm. Where are these 220 million people innovating, value adding? This is what we stand for. We, we continue to say that our politicians mm -hmm. do not deliver, but we fail to say that they come from amongst us. And that is what we, who we go and vote for. Exactly the same case. Look at our exports. What is the reason when I talk to this academia and this intellect, I expect that they would they would understand 100% of what I'm saying. What is the reason that Pakistan's exports are $25 billion? Just I, I just can't understand. And when I only gave one, uh, one advice to the government when they were coming in in manifesto, please keep our energy rate at seven and a half cents and six and a half dollars. And I will share with you. Would you be surprised if I tell you that the total subsidy in maintaining gas at six and a half dollars for the government of Pakistan last year, which we are saying that taxpayers' money was zero? Can you imagine that? The total money paid in last one year to maintain the gas price of 6.5 dollars is total zero and with that price six and a half dollars the cost of energy which i produce in-house for my plant is also six and a half cents which is totally in line with the region whereas those plants which are smes which as the whole 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 industry is not integrated it is spinning it is weaving it is sizing it is printing processing we have only 15 percent of our companies which are vertically integrated. So they have their own large gas power plants on which they get internationally priced gas at six and a half dollars where no subsidy was given. A lot of wastages, a lot of UFGs, everything of the country was put on it and still the price was six and a half and it costed us six and a half cents. And I said that the SMEs should be given 7.5 cents. Why? because that is the regional price. Now, when I say seven and a half cents and people say subsidy, you know, what was the amount of subsidy given last year? It was 29 billion rupees. It was 29 billion rupees. This is the total amount it was capped at, which means if the total value of our exports last year was exactly $13.5 billion, it is 2 trillion rupees. On 2 trillion rupees, it is 1.4% of sales. That is what they gave us. The, the rest of the industry produced their own energy from their own captive. And this was the energy used by the SMEs, who, if we do not provide them energy at the regional price, the whole chain get disconnected. Because there are 300,000 rooms in Gujranwala and Faisalabad. There are 200,000 small towel, towel factories, which are in, in small cities, which use electricity as the base power station. If I disconnect them, the chain gets disconnected. It's going to corporatize. It's going to shift to the, the industry which can produce their own captive power. Now, what is power and what is subsidy? I would also like the academia to even to look at it. Sir, last month, the NAPRA report 
Meprav gives an advertisement every month in the papers. What is their raw material cost? Like uh, Doc Sub said, I'm interested to know raw material cost. The raw material cost for electricity production by Nepra last month, sir, in the month of February, which was printed only two weeks ago, was 4p and 90 pesa. Sir, it works out to three cents. Now, on a three cents raw material base, what I'm saying is provide your industry seven and a half cents. Now, internationally, sir, international, I'm not talking about what the government has done in IPPs, what the government has done in their distributions. I'm not concerned about it. I'm saying if you want to give, you want to export, please, you need to look at numbers, how it is calculated internationally, because I'm not ready to point out fingers on anyone. But if I do that, the, the total cost is 4 rupees 90 paise for the fuel cost, which includes hydro, which includes nuclear, which includes coal, which includes gas, which includes RLNG, which includes diesel also. And the total cost after that, internationally, if I have to have any power plant anywhere in the world, the total cost, including return on profit, is two cents. Just type the computer and you will find out you can get thousands of megawatt energy in your country with two cents conversion cost, which will include his profit, which will include his cost of maintenance, which will include his cost of repayment, everything in two cents. Probably Razak Saab is charging 1.2 cents from his power plant to the government right now. Sapphire is charging probably 1.3 cents. Shahid Abdullah is on, online. I believe he can answer that. Sapphire is charging 1.3 cents. So two cents I'm taking for a new plant today. But what does it mean, sir? Five rupees plus two cents is three rupees, which means eight rupees. Now, eight rupees is the cost of power which is produced from a power plant. Now they give it to NTDC. NTDC calculates I have 2% line losses and I want to charge another 2% of profit. Okay, charge it 4%. Now, 4% on eight rupees is only 32 pesa. Give them 50 pesa. Give them one rupee to the NTD system so they even upgrade their lines. These are NTDCs are 132 kV lines, which take the electricity from the power plants to the grid station. So it's nine rupees. Now, what is the next cost from NTDC to Discos? Now, Disco says I have 10% line losses. In industry on 132 kV, they themselves claim that we have 98% recovery and 100% of energy is given to these stations at B3, B4 tariffs which means they have only 2% losses on me. I'm ready to take 10% of their system loss. So I'm cross-subsidizing the domestic consumer, doesn't matter. Even if I take 10%, it becomes 10 rupees. Now they say, I want to make money also. Okay, you make money also. How much money the disco wants to make? 10%, okay, make it. It all comes up to 11 minutes. Now, if I say seven and a half cents, it is 12 rupees and 40 pressa which means another 10% to the federal government for any of another subsidy. So I'm not asking for subsidies. What I'm saying is don't pass others and losses on me. This is all I'm saying. I continue to say that. I'm not asking for subsidy. I'm saying, please price me right in line with international market, whatever you have messed up in 15 years in the disco systems, in the, in the IPP structures, all over invoice projects, please you can't load exports. That's all I say. I don't ask for subsidy. So when I say that they they say that they are, the industry is asking for subsidy, I'm not. Second point, the industry today, even at 20 rupees, the government is saying 
when I'm saying the total cost is 10 rupees, even at 20 rupees they sell to domestic consumer, they are saying we're making a loss of 400 billion rupees annually. What does this mean? That they are out by another 6 rupees, which is what they want to increase the price to every consumer. They want to take it to 26 rupees. Now with, with costing 11 rupees, they want to sell it at 26 rupees and they are going to call it subsidy to an export-based industry. My only point is, we all need to see an international interest. Do we want to compete in the world? Or do we want to load this money which have been taken away, fleeced by people? And PTI came on the agenda that they would take this money out of their pockets and done it. But what has happened is they have not achieved anything. And the result is the consumer. So I am not speaking on behalf of general consumer right now. I'm speaking on behalf of industry. Then when it is costing them 10 rupees, the international tariff is 6.3 cents. How can you say that you are going to export from our country, exports from our country with a cost of higher than the world price, a cost higher than the cost, which is actually calculated by anybody? I would invite you all, please calculate the cost of energy, what I've said. Please look at the NEPRA. Please look at the two cents I said for the conversion. Please look at the NTDC cost. Please look at the disco margins. Please look at the profitability and say, I'm asking for anything wrong I'm saying. Please let go of me. I was at 2013, exports of $25 billion. Seven years, I'm still there. The first time in two years, industry came back and said, we want to invest. If you give us regional tariffs, we're not asking for subsidies. If the regional tariff is higher, charge me higher. There was gas price even at $3. The government was not able to lock in gas. I don't mind. The price which I am getting today, please do not put me into the system. This is all I'm saying. Now the government is saying two things. We are not going to let you produce energy. We ask uh, the energy committee, why will you not let us produce energy? Said, no, we have got surplus energy now of 34,000 megawatts. In summers, we consume 24,000. In winters, we consume 8,000. We don't have a customer. Now we want to have your 3,000 megawatt to produce yourself without subsidy on our system so that we can charge you 300 billion rupees. I asked them that who will pay this 300 billion rupees? I can't export at 25 rupees. My cost, which I'm trying to show here is, is 35% of my cost of production is energy. Is 12% of sales of 14% of, of my raw material cost. Now, point of view is, if I, they charge me on sales double the value, I, my margin is 5%. How will I do business if they double my value of my energy from 12 to 24? The whole chain goes down. Like I said, 10% are only vertically integrated units. This is the why the research doesn't go on. Because when you look at top 10 companies, there are no reserves. Everybody is going out of export business. Razak Daud Saab has brought them back to textiles. That every house where the textile 300 families were based in, all those houses were leaving textile. Razak Saab has held them back. Razak, today the buzzword is we need to go and get back to textiles again. We need to set up industry again. This buzzword has not been there for the last 15 years. We were talking about just surviving another day. 
Look at the balance sheets from 2005 to 13. The everybody was bleeding. And what we are now doing is in last two years, you know how much money we made? We only made 5%, but on $14 billion, 5% is what? Seven, $800 million. You have to let capital at least be formed in Pakistan for companies to grow. These are the companies will take Pakistan from $25 billion to $100 billion. You will be surprised to hear another number, sir. 220 million people. We talk about a $300 billion economy. You know what is the largest company in Pakistan with largest exports? Largest exporting company is $300 million. Not talking about textiles. Everything in the country, $300 million. You know, when I come to number 10, it comes to down to $200 million. So from when I go from number 10 to number 20, you know where it goes? It comes to $100 million. So number 20 number company is $100 million. When I come down to number 50, it comes to $50 million. So our 50th largest export company in the country with so much bonanza, 30 billion rupees been given to them as to ensure energy. The largest bonanza of 60% people of this country export and other exports put together, fifth of 50 companies when we come to 50 is 50 million dollars. And when I come to number 100, you know what it is? It's 40, 30, sorry, 25 million dollars. So number 100 companies, $25 million. I say we need to add a zero with each company. The number 100 company should not be 25, should be 250. And what I'm asking is only regional tariffs. I'm not asking for any subsidies. I am not asking for anything from the government. If they can't allow me to produce my own energy, I'll produce my own energy. I'll buy my own gas. I'll pay their systems. Get me out of this. Now, minimum wages. I am the first person who went on TV and said that 100, when the dollar was 100 rupees, minimum wage was 16,000, which means $160, which was in Nawaz Sharif's time, 2015. Then came Shahid Khakan Abbasi's time. He maintained it at 16,000 and the currency was devalued to 125 rupees, which means what? $140. PTI came in, the currency devalued from 125 to 168. Now it is 155. They have increased the minimum wage from 16,000 to 17,500. At $168, it became $107. At 155 rupees, 17,500 rupees today becomes $118. I'm saying, I'm the first person who's saying increase minimum wage by 20%. Because it should be $140 in line with my, with my, and that is the way to control, give them money. The state cannot give them money. The state cannot give them money through SRS program. I am the first one. My whole industry stood against me. The why are you saying? I said, no, I have to, if I'm going to represent, I'm going to present the industry right. When I'm saying energy at regional price, <coughs> then I'm going to say even labor at regional price. Regional prices today, 140. We are $20. Because of this devaluation in last two years, we have become, it has become difficult for a common man. It has become difficult for labor to meet their ends. Although I would just request all of you to understand, we have increased our salaries even without this minimum wage increase. The, the, we are, <coughs> we are there are companies 30%. 
to increase their salaries by 20% without the government notice of minimum wages. But I want 100%. Only it will happen when the government does it. My humble submission is today we are at a crossroad. Do we want to stay at $25 billion and our next generation would sit with you and still discuss that we are at $25 billion? Because Dr. Nadeem, I know, knew him when he was chairman plane planning. When he left, the exports were $25 billion. Razak Daud Saab, I have known when he was the Commerce Minister. He left at $10 billion in 2005. Please, do not leave this country to irrational policies. Where I know, Razak Saab, that industry cannot be subsidized. There will be so many people. Let them produce their own energy. Please don't take them into the system because you can never be able to get 300 billion rupees for them. <coughs> and we will not be able to compete. Please allow us not to come into the system. Please keep us out of the system. Even if you want us to come into the system, I would request give you another innovative solution. Give us a power plant which is costing you. Two power plants, 3000 megawatt is costing you a capacity payment. We are ready to take those plants and produce energy from them and distribute to ourselves. And by our own, by our, don't put us into the system. We are ready to help you. But don't, please don't make Pakistan, when we use the word incompatible, Please, I would change my word. Please don't load us with the corruption of previous years because we cannot export the corruption of the previous rulers of Pakistan. If you want to be to be so candid, I will be candid. Thank you very much. Very well put, very well put, Gohar Sahib. I think you're absolutely right. We have to have an export sector. We have to increase our exports. Our exports are roughly about less than 10% of our GDP, which is very, Malaysia, et cetera, are up to about 100%. All developing countries that grow are at huge multiples of GDP in terms of exports. So you're absolutely right. And yes, the problem is the policy table. Everything is so confused at the policy table that it loads a huge amount of uncertainty on everybody. So absolutely correct. I take your points very well. I take the whole discussion very well. But before I go on, let me quickly ask Razak Saab, if Razak Saab wants to say anything now, before I take comments from the floor. Razak Saab? Sir, Razak Saab, sir, kindly up to unmute, sir. Can you hear me now? We can hear you fine, go ahead. Okay, uh, can you see me or you can't? Unfortunately, we can't see you. I don't think your camera's on. Oh, okay. Um, now can now, you see me? Now we can see you. Now we can see you. Please go ahead. Okay. Uh, I think whatever I've whatever I've heard is uh, absolutely um, uh, it's, it's very interesting for me. I have a uh, uh, few comments uh, to make, uh, and that is nobody in the government is saying that uh, we should not give our industry, the export industry competitive um, uh, Bisley uh, prices and gas prices. That is, uh, everyone is of the opinion that uh, yes, they should be compensated and not compensated, that they should get internationally competitive uh, energy uh, prices. That's not the issue. The issue that is before us is why should the, they're saying, why should that, um, that production that goes to the domestic market, 
why should they get uh, electricity at um, uh, competitive prices? They want to give competitive prices to the um, export sector. So then the question comes, how do you skin the cat? Uh, I have been proposing that um, it is very difficult to differentiate. And uh, it's obvious that the uh, upstream people get hurt. The lower the, the, uh, the garments, uh, they will not get uh, that much affected. I also agree with uh, what has been said is that very small, about 10%, some people say 11% uh, are, are integrated units. We are not a country that is uh, that have a huge number of integrated units. Our units, uh, very few are integrated. And so you have this uh, particular problem. Uh, so what the government is saying is we want to, um, we want to compensate, but compensate through the DTL. Now, uh, this uh, webinar is also talking that the, the study is also showing that it's gonna be very, very difficult to um, differentiate between uh, what is local, what is um, uh, the energy that goes directly into exports. So that is a, 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 to me, that is the main uh, bane of uh, contention. Then the second point is, when you want to give the, uh, the zero rated industries, when you want to give them uh, international competitive energy prices, what is the international competitive price? Now this study is, is saying that uh, you should make it uh, 7.5 cents. Um, I would like to take on what uh, Dr. Abzel said, and um, uh, Gohori Jaz has also alluded to it, and that is, what is the energy cost? For after hearing Gohori Jaz, um, I don't like this concept of it is 32% of the conversion cost. I'm a, I'm a believer rather than looking at it that way, we should look at it at uh, what is the energy uh, as a percentage of the sales price. And Gorijas has given that it is uh, around 12%, 12%, 14%. Um, obviously it's higher uh, upstream and lower uh, in, in the garments. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, if it is 12%, Fine, we, uh, what is the level of adjustment that we should make uh, to, uh, to make our uh, people uh, competitive? To me, the fact that uh, we have in the last uh, year substantially changed the, uh, substantially changed the scenario and our exports are going well, I have been of the opinion, and this is what I'm saying is, let us, um, we don't want to give them uh, extra benefit of a uh, too lower energy, but uh, the fact that we did give them a competitive energy prices, you show that you suddenly saw uh, the upswing. And uh, as the study shows, 60% uh, of uh, all the turf uh, money, the funding from the state bank is now going into 
the textile sector. And I think this is a very, very good sign. In the long run, we want to uh, bring the textile sector into a lower position. But at this moment, for the next five years, uh, we are heavily dependent on um, textiles. And if we want our uh, foreign exchange reserves to uh, move up, it has to be by supporting the, uh, uh, the textiles. Uh, I want to uh, comment on uh, comment, uh, Dr. Khadija uh, about her, the four points that she says. It's absolutely correct, uh, Dr. Saiba, your, your viewpoints on innovation uh, uh, are correct. And this is something that we in the Ministry of Commerce are talking with the, um, uh, with the uh, stakeholders that how can we reduce the, change the tariffs so that uh, uh, our people are more prone for innovation and bringing out products that are uh, what, they, what they now call the, uh, the technical textile. And we're looking at ways and means of how do you bring down the, the duty structure to allow it. I will say that um, uh, this, the government's recent moves in the last two years of bringing down the cost of raw materials uh, and not looking at revenue uh, is paying off, and I hope that in the coming budget uh, we will uh, do more uh, uh, of that. Uh, uh, Dr. Saiba, you mentioned about um, um, productivity. That I do agree, but whatever is said, I still feel all our industries, not just textiles, uh, all our industries, as far as our productivity is concerned, it's, it is low. Um, what was it? I, I hope that uh, after this webinar, we can sit down, come to some conclusion and take this matter uh, back to the government. We do have issues. Um, um, we've got the issues of gas versus electricity. We've got issues of... Uh, uh, the, the level of the uh, energy uh, energy uh, amount. I also do agree with uh, uh, Gorijas that um, uh, unfortunately the, uh, the government is inclined to talk uh, of subsidy to industry. Uh, it is not a subsidy. Uh, we are actually it is industry that is actually uh, cross-subsidizing uh, uh, the domestic sector and the uh, inefficiencies in, in the system. Uh, so um, it is a, a, a point of concern to me that it is not a subsidy. Um, so I, I, I'm happy at what I've heard. Uh, I think it, it will require a, more, um, a, more, uh, a few more things to look at. And then uh, which we've got to be able to come to a final figure whether the government whether the government agrees on 7.5 cents uh, or uh, uh, the government has to decide on what is the mechanism of compensation. Government is prepared to give the compensation. We're all on the same page. It's a question of how 
uh, and at what level. Thank you. Thank you very much, Razak Saab. I think um, you made very good comments. Thank you. I think it's important to understand that. Um, Can I speak now? Ji, uh, Sattar Chab, go ahead. Sattar Chab, please, go ahead. Uh, I think a very useful seminar, and I compliment PID for doing such a uh, useful study. And uh, uh, in the sense uh, that it has highlighted many issues. I agree with the basic trust of the webinar that in the short run, we have to depend on textile for our exports. And therefore, whatever incentives can be provided, whatever limitations can be removed, it is important to do so. And obviously, energy is an important uh, uh, factor in the cost of production. So I hope that this discussion will enable the government to take a policy posture, uh, which will uh, help the textile industry to continue to expand its export. Secondly, I think in the, this is the short run. In the medium run, we have, as already emphasized by every, everybody, we have to go to value added and uh, better efficiency in the sector. Because unless we do that, uh, our uh, total productivity uh, and from the uh, textile sector will remain low. So, and as already pointed out, even the energy, when you go up higher, uh, proportion gets even lower. The third point I like to emphasize is that without increasing cotton production, the problem of textile industry cannot be really resolved. And it's a real pity that we are stuck even below 10 million bales, although we achieved 12 million bales way back in 1982-83. India has moved from 12 to almost 40, and we are still stuck at that. I remember in January 2018, uh, I, as the chairman of a special committee, submitted a report on Mayas to increase cotton production, in which the basic point was that uh, the, the world has moved on to BT cotton fourth generation and we are stuck with the first generation, even that is contaminated. Our own research is virtually stopped because Optima uh, uh, stopped funding them. That was also inefficient and uh, similarly disease. But more importantly, unless the sugarcane policies revise the cotton production, the sugarcane area has increased by 27%, cotton has gone down by 20%. So these are the three uh, additional points which I uh, wanted to add to a very useful seminar, and I thank you for giving me the chance to participate. Thank you very much, Sattar You're always a pleasure to listen to, and you're always succinct and clear. Um, I think, quite frankly, the mess is a long time coming. And uh, unfortunately, um, our policy has been haphazard and all over the place. I don't think Gohar corruption is as much a problem as incompetence and bad policy. Quite frankly, some of the policies that come about starting from the FCD crisis to the SRO problem to the um, energy IPP issues, many researchers have been arguing against those, but they've been told they live in cloud cuckoo land and that the government knows best and the government always acts alone. The government does not want to share information. The government does not want to talk and debate. Like the SPP law, for example, the government does not want to share the law. I don't understand why a law that has been approved by the cabinet is not shared. So we don't have a policy that is shared. We don't have a policy that is made in a, in a coherent fashion or in a clear fashion. It is like the parable of the messy room or the messy house. When you keep messing up your house, don't maintain it, keep doing you know, fixing a leak here or fixing a leak there. And when the house falls and you begin to cry, then, oh my God. And then you say, okay, no, it doesn't matter. We'll try and assign the blame to somebody. So there it is. That's unfortunately the situation in this house. If we can clean up our policymaking, we'll know something, but I don't see the signs of that yet. But let's hope, let's hope. So that's why we are talking about 
either it's energy or this or that. Ultimately, I think the government's job is neither to subsidize energy nor to fix um, raw materials. The government's job is to give a level playing field to everybody. It's like a cricket field. The empire's role is to fix the rules and not to get into the game. Here, unfortunately, the government gets into the game, but that's beside the point. I'll go to the floor. I'll take some questions. Ji, Noman Riz, uh, Wazir Saab. Noman Wazir Saab, introduce kare apne aapko bole, please. Oh, thank you, uh, uh, Dr. Saab, Dr. Nadeem Saab, and uh, I'm uh, Senator Roman Wazir. I, I was on the Senate for the last six years and been on the board of uh, various discourse on the Senate Committee on Power as well. So I'm quite current as far as uh, the electricity is concerned. It was a very nice presentation by the academic uh, presentation and a bright sprinkle by Gaurav Jassab on the private sector use. I'm going to talk about electricity first, and uh, I have my own two grids, one grid of 40 megawatts in Prashar and an 80 megawatts grid in Lahore. So I know the electricity pretty well. My question is, I'm sure I'm no, I know that Gaurav Jassab is working on, on it. Why do you call subsidy? Why do you call electricity subsidy? It's not subsidy. This is the actual rate which should be given to us excluding the line losses, which is for the domestic sector, other sectors are going through. Industries should not take the line loss. The best way out for it is, which I've been trying to say since the last 15 years, now that our government, BTI government is here, we started with this concept of wheeling, wheeling of electricity. All exporters, including textile, should have the permission to wheel electricity from one source to another. And let me tell you, how do you do it? The procedure is there, NEPRA's decision is there, everything is there. It has to be implemented only. Implementation is delayed as the Senate Power Committee, a member of the Power Committee, is heading this another committee as well. First wheeling concept was achieved from Pakistan Ordnance Factory Wa about three years back. Now in KPK, we have electricity from Malakand 3 and Pehur at, uh, through the wheeling concept. And how much do we get that electricity for? From Pehur, we get, it was we were getting at earlier, we were getting at 0.5 cents a kilowatt hour a unit. Now we are getting at five cents. What I'm to tell all of you is, and uh, if Zak uh, Dawsab um, is also listening to it, all export sectors should be permitted to wheel electricity to their premises, buying from any power source, wherever they want to buy, whether it's public sector or a private sector, that is the way out. There's no subsidy involved. You buy, wheel it from power source, you pay, the uh, NEPRA gives a decision that how much you pay for the user, user charges to NTTC or to the DISCO, that is the way out uh, of, uh, of, uh, uh, of getting a reduced rate of tariff from the, uh, for your product, production and naturally low rate you get, you get uh, better exports and also import substitution, which during this, uh, this discussion we, we are missing on to. Another point highlighted was electrical machines. Now, all I know the private sector industries all over Pakistan, I keep meeting them. How many of them have five-star uh, equipment on there. They have the most inefficient electrical equipment. Power factor should be 0.9. It is 0 0.7, 0 0.8. They don't put up their capacitors. They don't have transformers, which are having higher copper and iron losses. As someone pointed out in this discussion, the efficient equipment five-star rating has to be decided. PSQCA is the implementer, and they should go ahead and start doing this implementation. Thirdly, what uh, normally in such uh, analysis, I can tell you, we did it in, in KPK, we did it for the mineral sector, it's a value chain analysis. We did it for the marble sector about 12, 13 years back with the help of World Bank, 
and we concluded that where the problem was and we identified that in the marble sector it was blasting and not square block cutting which we started after that we started there what you have to do is the academia should do a value chain analysis of the textile sector or any other sector which is missing in pakistan in all sectors academia has to do a value chain analysis benchmark it against any international organization the leaders in the, of that particular sector and identify where your costs are increasing where your expenses are more so that is uh, which uh, needs to be done and uh, which is uh, missing at this moment and uh, another very important thing is all these uh, inputs that we are giving lower subsidy or uh, for export sector that we are giving in these are inputs you must determine what are the outputs and what are the outcomes no government department ever evaluates that with this input what outputs you are getting and what outcomes you are giving with identified milestone and tangible indicators this all of these things are missing till the time you don't have that thing you cannot move ahead and uh, for, you talked about uh, uh, dltl well if you want to have dltl uh, why textile if you don't like it in textile sector all export sectors should would not like that as well so we have to come up with the mechanism as i told you about uh, the wheeling concept if we come up with that concept all across pakistan for export sectors as well import substitution we miss on this point we forget import substitution so import substitution is also be given uh, 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 energy at a cost uh, through a process which is uh, which is available the laws are available and that is how it should be done and finally minimum wages i totally agree with gaur jasab in the senate i've been pointing it out that uh, the minimum wages of 17000 is nothing we should minimum have minimum wages it should be 23000 and the provincial minimum wage board should also be made effective so these are my views about uh, textile and general industry thank you very much uh, dr thank you very, uh, very much wazir sir thank you very much it's nice to hear a senator or an ex senator in in, in such a discussion wonderful idris khaja sir if you want to raise your hand yeah. now raise now don't come in yeah. later So I just wanted to say that uh, to provide a level playing field, the government has to consider the problem holistically. Gohar Sahib says that uh, don't pass on the inefficiencies of the energy sector to the textile sector, and don't pass on the mistakes of the past rulers to the energy sector. So the problem for the government is that uh, to whom should these inefficiencies be passed on? To the, the rest of the society minus the textile sector. This is my question. Point, good point, good point. G. Tanvir Sir, Tanvir Hussain Sir. G. Assalamualaikum. I would like to make uh, three, four points. The first okay. of all, I. Can you tell us, Tanvir Sir? My Just name is Dr. Tanvir Hussain. I am Rector of National Textile University, Faisalabad. Inshallah. And the first point is that the government should enable and facilitate industry to produce their own energy from renewable resources. the emphasis is on renewable resources because that is going to be the future uh, in terms of uh, sustainable development goals of the un as well as the demands from the international brands number 2 lest we lose our uh, raw material advantage there's need to work on war footing to increase the production of cotton especially the sustainable cotton the point number 3 is that uh, we should also explore other sustainable natural fibers for example hemp lately there has been a lot of demand for sustainable raw materials all over the world and we have a huge capacity which is untapped 
to produce fibers from hemp or banana waste, etc. And for industry, I have two points. First of all, it is one thing to get cheap energy and, and it is another to use that energy efficiently. The, I, I think every industry should introduce two metrics within their mill if they, are not, uh, if they have not introduced already. Number one, value added per unit of the energy consumed. And number two, what is the unit consumption per kg of yarn production? So in that way, we will also be measuring the energy efficiency. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, Tanvir Saab. Bahut shukriya. Achaji, I'll go back to the panel now. If anybody wants to raise some final points, feel free to do so. Ji, anyone, people from the PID, Akhtar Saab, um, you know, Khadija, Kohar Saab, anybody? Ek second, let me first get, I think Bashir Saab bol rahe hain. Bashir Saab, is that you? Bashir Saab, Bashir Ali Muhammad Saab, hai? Kaun se Bashir Saab hai? Bataiye. Bashir Saab, boliye. Bashir Saab? Yes. Can you hear me? Ji, please speak. Unmute yourself, Ji. I think you muted yourself. Unmute yourself, please. Unmute yourself, Bashir Saab. Is it okay? Ah, that's better. Ji, boliye. Thank you. No, I, I feel that uh, everybody has done a lot of research, a lot of work, and uh, I thank all of you, I think, uh, for taking so much interest. This is a burning issue at the moment. Razak Saab is dealing with it, and he's got pressures daily from all the industry because they really don't have a clear picture, and there's no consistency and clarity of government policy, which is one of the most important things for industry and exports, and for our customers, because when we these things are coming in the press, our customers are saying, will you be able to get gas? Will you be able to run? Can we give you future orders? You know, so it is actually giving a really wrong message to the whole world because there are people here, agents here of customers who are giving them this information that there are a lot of problems ahead in the country. I think we should first sit down and make up our mind what we really want to do. Mm -hmm. on, a, on a lot of things, I think there are issues which a lot of people don't really understand because they're looking at just at the top of the problems. They haven't gone down. First, the indirect industry, like if, even though I'm an integrated mill, 25% of my fabric and yarn is going to the SMEs who are exporting. So, you know, it's shown as a local sale, but actually I can guarantee the government through the banks that this is going to factories which are total 100% exporters. They are not selling in the domestic market at all. So, you know, this is a very complicated issue to sort of link it to DLTL or anything. The, all the indirect exporters, the spinning mills, the weaving mills are selling. And if the government really does a proper study, they'll find out that 80% of the raw material in the indirect is going for exports and it's not being sold domestically. I'm the largest retailer in the country, so I know the domestic sale. I'm the largest taxpayer. So domestic sale is actually paying a lot of taxes also, which the government should realize. And on the retail side, and though my retail, it shows that I'm selling 50%, I'm not. I'm just selling 20% of my total thing on the domestic market. The rest is all going to exports directly or direct exports or indirect exports. The other thing on the minimum wages, we are paying over 24,000 rupees. We can't get skilled labor. It's just not possible. After training, our people go away. So it's just, this is a wrong impression that people are 
you know, nobody wants to work at 20,000 rupees, forget about 17,000. Yes, in the unorganized sector, that is it. Now, even if you increase the rates, the unorganized sector is not going to pay because it's another world, it's an undocumented sector. So the documented sector doesn't mind, they, they are paying anyway, and we are paying. So, you know, it, and we can't get the skills. And that is a major problem. We become training schools or universities, our people are just going away. And we are just training and training and training, but we don't mind it. This is the price we all have learned to pay. So I feel that the government should, in the short term, like Razak Saab said, next five years, not tinker with this, let it run. It's, as Gohar Saab said very correctly, it's such a small amount, and we're making such a big thing about it. It's just, I think we've got so much talent in the country, we can sit down and come up with medium term and long term solutions, and we know what the solutions are. So I, I, I just feel that we should just quickly, Razak Saab should get together a few people as quickly as possible, and then, you know, uh, be able to present the case to the government in such a strong manner that the government should understand that this is not a big deal at all. I mean, we made this into something very big. It is a very, very small thing. Our amounts are very small and uh, the indirect benefits are so huge that we should just not look at it. So uh, I, I feel that uh, exports are very important and reserves are very important. We don't want to continue this IMF program I think we need to get out and make our own growth policies. So we need to build our results very quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bashir Ali Mohammed Saab. Bashir Ali Mohammed Saab, one of our largest industrialists. Thank you. Can I ask Shahid Abdullah Saab to take the floor too for a little while since he's here? Or is he gone? Shahid Abdullah Saab? He's also a very large industrialist. I think he's gone. Okay, if not, then Hamid Zaman Saab, the uh, founder of Barise. Good entrepreneur, lovely enterprise. Hamid Zaman sahab, boliye. Uh, alaikum ji. Thank you very much. This is a very informative uh, webinar. discuss uh, There's one point I would like to make. Ye bahut ek discussion ho rahi hai ki exports are very important and uh, unko subsidy milni chahiye aur hukumat ko ek bahut issue hai ki jab ye textile industry ko dete hain. Uh, uh, subsidies that they do not want that subsidy to kar competitive rates dete hain, those rates should not go to the domestic uh, sector because uh, we require exports but i would just like to uh, make a point here i started from the domestic industry i am perhaps in terms of points of sale, the largest retailer in the country. Uh, and in my manufacturing side, which is another company, I'm in also in the top 100 exporters. But the taxes I pay from my domestic operation, which is retail, the 12% GST that I pay from retail is five times or eight times the taxes that I pay from my export. I understand that exports are important because we need the dollars and exports will go on the basis of, exports will go up on the basis of a long-term policy and also uh, competitive tariffs and better working conditions. And as some people said, research and development, et cetera, et cetera. So the exports will go up and the dollars will come in. But if my domestic market, uh, which suffers 
the domestic manufacturing which suffers from all the smuggled items that undersell me because they don't pay any taxes actually my domestic operations pay many many times the amount of taxes to the government that i pay from my exports why because i'm documented so the domestic industry is just as important and i would say that if we are going to give a competitive tariff it should be across the industry because we are paying taxes and we are also uh, providing employment much higher taxes i think industry both export and domestic should, should go side by side in any case if we are exporting 80% of our production it doesn't really matter there is no subsidy involved and yet there is much more tax involved what the government uh, should uh, focus on is documenting the economy so that more people come into the tax net and they don't have to have misnomers like they are giving us a subsidy which they are not they are only giving us rightfully competitive energy prices that's what i would like to say thank you great great thank you thank you hamid zaman sahab thank you very much acha ji if there's nobody else akta sabtal sahab boliye ji sir thank you very much for this opportunity maine ek do baatein kehni thi but abhi hamid sahab ne jo comments diye hain uske bare mein i just want to say ke bahut hi interesting or pertinent comments presented by the gentleman kyunki ye covid 19 ke aane ki wajah se na ye ye basically it's the beginning of the end of globalization i mean all big Uh, countries are going to start concentrating on narrowing down their global supply chains aur ye jo hamare paas wage cost ka advantage hai ye agle taqreeban 10 saal hai uske baad ye sari manufacturing ya ye textile production is going to start going towards africa to hame as a textile sector as an economy ye zarurat hai ki hum local demand ko increase karne ki koshish kare jiske bare mein hamid sahab ne bhi baat ki to i just want to echo and 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 reiterate the fact that these are some very very important comments just uh, that were delivered by hamid saab mera dusra point aur aakhri point wo ye hai ki ek table mein in the study it was shown ki jo depreciation rates hain wo pakistan mein taqreeban 11% hain india mein 16% hain bangladesh mein 20% hain and this was part of the entire conversion cost so conversion cost ke teen uh, parts the energy labor and depreciation to mera ek question ye hai ki depreciations ka rate different kyun hai different countries mein does it uh, does it indicate that they are investing more compared to uh, us is that what it represents and if that's the case and, and i think that is the case to hame ye dekhna chahiye ki hamare jo competitors hain wo apni competitive edge technological investment aur kya kehte hain uh, basically unka jo technological frontier hai that is much uh, can say expanded compared to pakistan so i think that is where we should be focusing aur kisi ne yahan pe ye baat nahi ki ki hamara jo agar humne productivity gains lekar ke aane hain to hamara jo average worker hai uski median school years ya years of schooling kitne hain matlab ye ek bahut hi important issue hai ki agar aapki population padhi likhi nahi hai आपकी लेबर फोर्स पढ़ी लिखी नहीं है तो आप उसको ट्रेन नहीं कर पाएंगे वो मैनुअल्स नहीं पढ़ सकते वो ट्रेनिंग कोर्सेज नहीं अटेंड कर सकते तो आई थिंक ये एक आइडिया कि सिर्फ 
डिफरेंट सेक्टर्स पे फोकस करके पाकिस्तान समहाउ एक कंपेरेटिव इकोनॉमी दुनिया में बन जाएगा ये नहीं होने का ये एक सिस्टम्स थिंकिंग चाहिए जिसमें वेरियस इनपुट्स हैं इन टू दी इकोनॉमिक प्रोडक्शन उसमें मेरा ख्याल है सबसे इम्पोर्टेंट जो इनपुट है वो है आपका सिस्टम ऑफ एजुकेशन इफ यू कैनॉट कम्पीट इन रीडिंग एंड मैथ विद फिनलैंड सिंगापुर सिंगापुर साउथ कोरिया एंड टाइवान देन फर्गेट अबाउट कम्पीटिंग विद इन टर्म्स ऑफ योर एक्सपोर्ट्स तो ये चीज़ें जो है ना हमारे पॉलिसी मेकरस को देखनी भी हैं हमें उनसे उम्मीदें भी हैं और मैं ये विश करता हूँ मेरी ये प्रेयर है कि ये इस सारे इंडेवर में कामयाब हों थैंक यू वेरी मच थैंक यू थैंक यू अख्तर साहब खदीजा बेबी वुड यू लाइक टू से एनीथिंग रिमार्क्स thank you sir i just want to thank you for the opportunity and i think all the uh, comments that i have gotten from the experts are all very valuable although i still feel that majority of the discussions whenever i have attended uh, such um, uh, uh, meetings i always feel that the focus is 90% on immediate relief measures and very little emphasis is given to medium and long term uh, policy making i am not against immediate relief measures as mentioned by the stakeholders but my focus my my emphasis is if whatever policies we have to see the repercussions of those policies from a longer perspective this is all uh, that i wanted to say otherwise uh, you know it has been a very valuable uh, discussion that we have had here sir thank you very much folks rock sir do you want any last words or shall i just close the webinar Rizak Sab, Minister Sab, would you like to say any last words? Rizak Sab, kindly, sir, अपने आप को अनम्यूट कर लें, sir. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir, we can. Okay, I just want to uh, say that it's been a very useful uh, webinar. Um, we have tremendous challenges in this uh, in the uh, in this textile industry. The whole cotton and textiles is uh, is a big challenge but i am quite optimistic that inshallah with what has happened in the last few years that we will be able to uh, move forward so thank you thanks to everybody uh, it's been a good uh, learning experience also and uh, i will take uh, i will get the people together and to take this matter forward in uh, islamabad to quickly come to uh, Uh, the conclusions that um, this uh, report has uh, clearly shown so thank you very much to everybody thank you very much azak sahab in conclusion all i'll say from pid side is that we welcome such opportunities we'd like to work with all industries all ministries we've sent out letters and we've tried to contact everybody i think it's a great opportunity pakistan think tanks and universities should work directly with our policy makers industries congress you know parliamentarians everybody this is uh, the nature of our work and this is the nature of the reason for our existence um quite frankly i appreciate what dr sanjeev khadija has said many people have said we need to take a systemic view of things we are operating like in a disaster movie when a disaster strikes at first pass people are running around trying to fix a leak here a leak there a fire here a fire there it's crisis 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 for so the first half hour of the or maybe half of the movie it's crisis 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 
After that, somebody comes along and says, hey guys, let's sit down and plan a response. Then they take a systemic response. They look at the plans of the, of the building or the city or whatever. They find out where the problems are. They approach it in a systemic fashion and solve the problem. I think it's time that a government started operating like that too. A government operates on a crisis basis. Here is a crisis, we go there and we solve it. I was three years in the government, I was sick of this crisis basis and crises are mostly transaction. We need to get from transactions to policies. We need to get from partial analysis, fixing a leak here, fixing a leak there to a systemic analysis. And I hope that our research community can back that up. So thank you very much, folks. It's been a wonderful webinar. I've enjoyed it enormously. I think we've learned a lot. We shall continue to reach out to everybody to work together with everybody. Thank you very much, all. Khuda Hafiz, see you this evening. We've got another one this evening on DFIs. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.